Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today, in this podcast, we're going to discuss remembering history. Today, we'll lead off with the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 32. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we will put those in the overview. So, with the past before us, let's just dig right in. Right. Thank you, Randy. A current event is a phrase we've been hearing a lot lately. It's been around for some time, but it keeps popping up. Here's the phrase. You're on the wrong side of history. What is the meaning of that? Well, I think uh, this fellow nailed it. This is a quote from New York Post writer Jonah Goldberg, and he says, quote, In domestic politics, people, mostly liberals, tend to say, you're on the wrong side of history about social issues that are breaking their way. It's a handy phrase, loosely translated as, you're going to lose eventually, so why don't you give up now? Well, in Scripture, to be on the wrong side of history is to have forgotten the history we're supposed to remember. Think of Jesus saying, which we find in Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. Ah, Sodom and Gomorrah are about to be history. (laughs) So don't look back, Mrs. Lot, or you'll be history. Well, she is history because she looked back. She got salty about it. She got salted, yes. (laughs) Assaulted in a different way. Israel was constantly aware of her need to remember or else. Uh, In the English Standard Version, in the Old Testament, that word remember comes up 184 times uh, in the entire Bible, ESV. It's uh, 234, and you include the New Testament. Of course, sometimes it's God who's remembering, but that's connected to our remembering because without his gracious remembering our sorry situation, we wouldn't remember him. Mm. So, But most of the time, it's remembering things we're supposed to remember as God's people. Sometimes the phrase is, don't forget. That shows up often. And then, of course, there are the actions of the people of Israel, which clearly show they forgot something. Listen to this from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Implied in that, as we will see uh, objectively in just a little bit, is we got to remember what we were told about God's saving deeds. And we got to pass them on to our children and other people. So we come to verses 5 through 8. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. But they rebelled against God instead. We find that in verses 11, 12, and 42. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt and the fields of Zon. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. They did not remember his power. Unfaithfulness and forgetfulness go hand in hand. Forgetfulness about history is a worldly problem. 
Thus Israel was instructed to remember God's two great acts in history, which the world wants to forget. Let's look at them. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Don't forget the great act of God in creation. You need to take one day to rest and remember how you got where you are, direct creation of God. Then in Deuteronomy 5.12 and verse 15, when the law is repeated for the second time, which is what Deuteronomy means, we find this in chapter 5, verses 12 and 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Redemption. Redemption, whether it's splitting the Red Sea or Jesus at the cross, creation and redemption go hand in hand. We find that put together uh, in an interesting way from Paul's writings in Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Renewed in the image of its creator. Mm. Redemption brings renewal of our image of God, our creator. Well, God created humanity as remembering beings. Memory is the mainspring of learning and growth, and most importantly, of how to stay on the right path instead of the wrong, as we see with Israel. We are not God. We have an origin. We need to grow and to understand. And unlike God, there's a conclusion to our life. We live by remembering from language to tying our shoestrings to Christian lifestyle. Forgetting can be fatal. And scripture says, yes, God remembers. He remembers to bless us, deliver us. Even sometimes when we forget, praise his name, but he never does remembering to improve his lifestyle, you know. And the only thing he forgets is our sins. There's a long history in the human race of not remembering. I love that quote of Thomas Jefferson, which this may be the third time I've used it in our podcast. Eternal vigilance is the cost of freedom. We keep forgetting that. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Mm. There's a history there. We know how to prevent those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Government corruption. You go back to Tammany Hall before that and up to present corruptions. George Washington's warning of no entangling alliances. There's a history that says, don't do that, but we do that. Eisenhower's warning of the military-industrial complex when government and corporations come together. Mm -hmm. And it's bad for both of them and certainly worse for the people not addressing lawlessness, we forget. We forget Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Time and time again, and recently in news over the last several weeks, we've seen that come to pass. We forget. Well, that brings us to um, this article from a uh, nonpartisan publication called Palladium that explores the future of governance. It's an article by uh, Ben Landau-Taylor 
and Samo Borja. It's from uh, March 7th of this year. Now, the title of it is this, Our Knowledge of History Decays Over Time. Mm-hmm. And it's a philosophical study, but we're going to make it simple. But keep this in mind. People as a corporate entity have short-term memory. Consequences worse than the individual. We as individuals often have short-time memory, people especially as we get older. It's like every 30 years, everything repeats itself. Just about, yep. But when people have short-term memory, everybody suffers. What are the reasons history decays? We're going to go over a, a brief summary of this article using scripture to show you you don't need to be a philosopher to know the following things. And then we're going to get down to the heart of why we forget our history. Number one, one of the reasons history decays is loss of witnesses, artifacts, and documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 19th century, uh, the Bible was put down as being inaccurate because they talked about the Hittites. And then archaeology come along, and sure enough, we, they found valid proof that there was a civilization known as the Hittites. Well, this kind of loss of witnesses, documents, is actually found in the Bible. Second Chronicles 34, 14 and 19. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Hard to believe that they lost the word of God. But Josiah, there was a revival during his time, and he wanted the temple, which was laying in abuse and disuse, to be cleaned up. And sure enough, they found a copy of the law. In the back of the garage. In, uh, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in front of the car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And so, of course, he was grief-stricken when he read in that law what he was supposed to be doing because Deuteronomy 17, 18 says this. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of the law approved by the Levitical priests. There you go. And he should have been doing that. He didn't have the word of God. It got lost in the rubble of the temple. Uh, Here's a second one. Most of the world lives in the moment. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 15, 32. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. Right. Eat, drink, and be merry. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Paul's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus isn't resurrected, then why am I suffering and doing all these conflicts that I get into? And if we live for the future, it's the immediate future. James 4, 13 through 16. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know that what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Absolutely. Then number four, when living memory goes, so goes the memory and lessons are lost. Listen to this, what Egypt lost, Exodus 1, 7 and 8. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Yes, and so what happened was there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Hmm. That's what the next verses say. And so they began to kill Jewish babies. Those who forget history are doomed to run into the judgment of God, which is what happened to the Pharaoh and, of course, to Egypt. Number five, revisionists who rewrite history. Uh, Years ago, when I was taking, I think, uh, history courses, graduate studies, 
uh, at UC, I read an article about archaeology had found chicken bones at Valley Forge, the place where George Washington pitched his tent. So they concluded that uh, while the troops suffered, he was eating fine. And just, you know, but these were people who wanted to, to for whatever reason, slander American history. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 28, 11 through 15, listen to this revisionist. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Revisionist history. Absolutely. We find it in the Bible. Number six, even new evidence from research comes along, but it's too late to convince the masses of the wrong turn they have made. Listen to this evidence from Amos and the problem with Israel. Amos 4, 6 through 8. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there was yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Right. The evidence was clear that something should be done. They knew what to be doing because they understand this was punished from God, but they refused to repent. Remember, repentance and remembering are one and the same. Think of the prodigal son who, when he came to his senses, remembered how good his father's employees had it back home. Mm -hmm. And he began to repent and make his way home. And seventhly, historical events of the past considered significant for wise guidance disappear. After that wise generation goes the way of all flesh. I think of uh, the greatest generation. They are now all gone, yeah, and it's clear, because yeah. we have forgotten some histories that they took with them. Listen to this from Ecclesiastes 9, 13 through 16. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. There you go. They, that community had a history they should have remembered and they did not, and they forgot, and that's to uh, their discredit, for sure, because the same situation is going to rise again, and they will not have the wisdom, because they forgot the history. Uh, and number eight, lastly, what one generation considers valuable in literature overlooks more valuable but hardly noticed writings. Listen to this from Mark 7, 5 through 7. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it's written, that This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Uh, here are the Pharisees, and they have their traditions that they've come up with, and They've duly, in various places, written them down and kept track of them. But they had a Bible, mm -hmm. the Old Testament, as we call it, 
The Bible versus the literary traditions of the leaders. Um, and they thought their recent writings were far better than the old ones. And I think of books in the Christian realm that become very popular and sell a lot and then they're quickly forgotten. I remember the prayer of Jabez. Mm -hmm. And you put that up against like uh, Imitation of Christ uh, as a classic book, The, the Dark Night of the Soul. Um, Purpose the, Driven Life. Uh, All those have been forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Presence of God by Brother Andrew, Practicing the Presence of God, which are far greater and of more value. Well, so what happens is history decays in many ways. But mainly for we who are Christians, it's about remembering especially what we find in the Old Testament. So let's start with an overview of why nations forget. Listen to Psalm 917. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. What does it mean to forget God? Forget that God is the creator, that he's a redeemer, and that he uh, rules over history. And you forget that, you're going in the wrong direction. Why does that happen? Very clearly, once again, we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? We forget the importance of those things in history we should remember for our own good because it is the work of Satan to make people forget. Hmm. He came up with revisionist history. Well, God knows that if you do that, you're going to be like him. So he gave Eve another story, and she forgot the word of God. Mm -hmm. Listen to this, and this is extraordinary. Exodus 32, verses 1 and 4. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what he has become of him. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Talk about short-term memory. Yeah, it took very little time. And that's the human race. Israel is a picture of what the whole human race is. That's why it's so important to study the Old Testament. Short-term memory, and of course, behind all that is the role of Satan and the role of his minions, Listen to this in 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Right. The story of the gospel, Jesus coming from God, that's the correct history. But already there are prophets who are revising that, and they got a bad spirit. And there is the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this. So 1 John 4, verses 4 through 6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Spirit of truth and spirit of error, we remember that by the help of the Holy Spirit. Because greater is he who is among us as the spirit of God than the spirit, Satan, in the world. Second Peter 3, verses 3 through 7, gives us a good example again of 
willful forgetting, the refusal to remember. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Yes, the main reason why people deny the fact that there was a great flood covered the earth is because they don't want to remember it, mm-hmm. because it deals with the judgment of God. And that's, that's folktale, that's mythology stuff. Uh, and, but notice what Peter says, <clears throat> as in the King James Version, you know, willful forgetfulness. They don't want to remember. But remember this, whether it's Israel or the church in the world, it's always a remnant, a remnant that is called to remember, a remembering remnant. The world, and of course worldly people, will always say, Uh, Forget you to God and to the word of God. Listen to this from Genesis 45.7. The idea of a remnant uh, takes place in the book of Genesis in a a very strategic location with Joseph, and it will be carried on through the rest of the Bible into the book of Revelation. Genesis 45.7. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. A remnant on earth to continue that remnant testimony of remembering and then passing on and calling other people to remember God and his acts of graciousness and judgment. Israel had a remnant, a remembering remnant, uh, and this is found throughout the Old Testament. I just picked out one. Uh, Listen to this from Ezekiel 6, verses 8 through 10. Yet I will leave some of you alive. When you have among the nations some who escape the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they carried you captive, how I have been broken over their whoring heart, and that has departed from me, and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed, for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord, I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. I'm going to make them remember grace of God. So it's, it's a remnant, a remembering remnant. Uh, then we go to the New Testament, and Paul says this in Romans 11, the first five verses, and verse 7. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So to the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking? The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. The elect is the same thing as a remnant, and the church is elect, as we find throughout the New Testament. And uh, these people, the remnant, did not bow the knee to Baal because they remembered who to bow to, the Lord. But it's a remnant, 
and the church is a remnant. For one reason, obviously, we're in the minority. For example, I got a letter from a people we support in India uh, a few weeks ago, and he was making the point that India has over a billion people, actually a billion point thirty-five, mm. and Christians are about two point five percent of the population. And the, it's getting very bad for Christians over there. I've heard other reports from other churches who support other missionaries in India, and it's the same thing. Uh, the government is very hostile, and they want all Christians out of there. And the missionaries are asking court not to say their names or use them, and of course we don't. But keep in mind, um, that's a remnant, a remnant. Church has always been that, and those kinds of stories that we hear now coming from India remind us that we are a remnant population and persecuted as the Christians are being. The kinds of persecutions that are coming to missionaries there uh, they've been ratcheting up, ratcheting up, and basically putting them in a corner where they can't even get to communicate anymore, even with this country sometimes. So listen to 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's the minority remnant that always gets persecuted. First Peter chapter 2, Peter says that Christians are sojourners and exiles, another minority group. So clearly, the church is a remnant, and as a church, uh, we have a prophetic witness to bear to the truth. Uh, we're like whistleblowers. People say, what does it mean to be a church prophetic? What does it mean to be a prophet in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, the prophets were whistleblowers. Mm. Uh, currently, this day that we're doing this podcast, May 23rd, a lot of whistleblowers are coming before Congress and blowing the whistle on the corruption in the FBI. And um, there's been a lot of retaliation against these uh, whistleblowers. And it's pretty simple most of the time. Who's telling the truth? Well, who's being persecuted? Mm -hmm. And that pretty well tells the answer. Uh, and, of course, Christians have been so persecuted throughout history. And it's always been the case that just one remnant carries on the truth, the remembering remnant. And sometimes our churches need reminding. In the book of Revelation, Sardis is a church that has a reputation that it's alive, but in fact, it's dead. It doesn't know it. Listen to this from Revelation 3, verse 3, as Jesus speaks. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Remember, remember, and repent. In Ephesus uh, chapter 2, he says the same thing to Ephesus. He says, you've left the love you had at first. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Well, in this age, uh, whistleblowers, the prophetic church is a whistleblower. It's a minority in the world. And what is the power of the whistleblower? It's truth. And that's what we as Christians and church are supposed to uphold being the pillar and ground of truth, as Paul says in 1 Timothy, uh, just as the prophets of old, they were whistleblowers, a remnant, remembering remnant in Israel, calling Israel to remember the word of God and to repent. Listen to Jeremiah 7, 25, 26. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Yes, and we don't have time to talk about all the ways in which these prophets were persecuted, 
But if we go to the book of Acts, chapter 7, Stephen is giving a speech as he comes to the conclusion of his sermon, which has been very rough on his listeners. Uh, he says, uh, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Hmm. And he said, they killed the prophets who were prophesying about the righteous one, the Messiah to come, and now you've killed him. And so you've done what your fathers have done. So Stephen makes a very clear point that the prophets were always persecuting people of truth. False prophets confirm the status quo. Jeremiah 5, 30 and 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? They love to have it so. So when a real prophet whistleblower comes along, mm -hmm. uh-uh, he's got to go. Mm -hmm. Matthew 7:15, we get this warning from Jesus. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We need to remember that. So we just ask the question, are false prophets ever persecuted? Hmm. Oh, it's the real ones. What is our main relationship to the Old Testament then? because we've gone back and forth old and new, to remember and not repeat the past. In other words, remember God is to remember his great acts, to bless and deliver, as, uh, for instance, summed up in communion. You know, at the Passover, Father always asked the children, why is tonight different from all other nights? Or maybe the child might ask that question. Um, it comes all the way up to the New Testament with the um, beginning of communion, the Lord's Supper, established by Jesus. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And this is a great summation because to remember Jesus is to remember why the Passover. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, as soon as you say that, you've got to go back to the Old Testament and say, why did they have the Passover? Well, because they were in Egypt. Why were they in Egypt? Well, they've been there for over 400 years. How'd they get there? By way of Abraham, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... How did Abraham become the beginner of all this? And so you've, it's impossible to separate the New Testament from the Old Testament, and we've got to have the Old Testament to remember where we've come from and use their examples to guide us so we won't do things that are wrong and do things that are right. And when Jesus says, remember me, it's not just remembering him. Well, I remember Jesus, yes, he died for me. It's to remember the entire historical context. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, so what are some main scriptures to spur us on to remember our history in the Old Testament and to learn? Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Yes. Previously in that chapter, Paul had I talked about the uh, children of Israel and the wilderness and how they rebelled against God and God struck uh, thousands of them dead. Mm. And Paul says this is written down so we can learn something. We need to remember what happened then so it doesn't happen now. Um, and they serve as a, uh, a bad example to help us be good. On the other hand, here's the positive side of this. Romans 15 verses 1 through 4 and verse 13. 
We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and do not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Those scriptures, the Old Testament, are there to give us hope and encouragement through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why they're important to read and to be read and to be taken to heart. The church keeps its remnant status by remembering. And so if we don't get into the Old Testament, we're not going to be remembering, and so we're going to be getting off the right path. Uh, And we call others to remember God in a saving act. And being a remnant, we know we are vulnerable to attack, and we need to remember that so we won't be surprised, as Peter reminds his readers in 1 Peter 4, when he says, you know, the fiery trial that you're going through, you know, shouldn't surprise you. Mm. Because if you suffer, be glad you suffer as a Christian. It's part of the life experience. That's right. Now, someone might say, how can we remember saving events that we didn't experience? Living in the story through the Holy Spirit as we get back into the Old Testament. John 16, Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit who will remind you, help you to understand. Mm -hmm. And Luke 11, 13, right after um, his presentation of the Lord's Prayer, he tells a parable about the inopportune fellow. Uh, who had a visitor come late at night and had to go to his neighbor and bang on the door to get bread and, and banged on the door till the guy was uh, <laughs> encouraged to finally get out of bed and, and help him out. And then he says, will not God, when you ask him then, graciously give you the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, one of the purposes is to make the scriptures real to us. Mm. I remember not long after I was converted, saved, I was back in the Old Testament reading, which is interesting because that's what I was drawn to immediately, strangely enough. And I came across a passage in 2 Kings 13 where a couple of guys were had a dead friend and they were trying to bury him, but the Moabites were in the land and all of a sudden they came over the hill to where they wanted to bury him and they didn't have time because they saw a raiding party from the Moabites come. So nearby, closer by, was the tomb of uh, Elisha. And so they said, let's throw him in here. So they throw the dead body into the tomb of Elisha the body rolls over, hits the bones of Elisha, and comes alive. <laughs> now, six months before this time, if I'd been reading that passage, I would say, well, that's ridiculous. But this time, it thrilled me. What's mm-hmm. the difference? Spirit of God in your life. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Reading the scriptures and living in them. So stay in the scripture, old and new, wherein the Spirit of God gives witness to the truth. And maintaining our remnant status, we've got to remember what has been granted to us. Let's remember Two things have been granted to us. We've got to remember both. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We've been granted to have faith and to suffer. 
because we are involved in a conflict. We're involved in conflict in this culture, this country, not to fear our opponents, but to be worthy of the conflict we're in. Then when you get to Philippians 2, Paul tells Church of Philippi and all other churches, by way of extension, you are stars, lights shining in darkness, and a crooked and perverse generation. What makes this so relevant to us is we now live in an age where there's so much corruption, it's obvious, but the point of the Bible is it's always been there. Mm-hmm. Just now it's obvious. So we are shining a light, blowing a whistle, and ringing the bell. That's our testimony as a remnant, a remembering remnant. And we give that testimony, because we remember it, to the world. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Yes, and that's the job of we in the church. We're a minority status. We're a remnant. And we've got to keep our memory, and that includes going back through the Old Testament, coming back into the New, and remembering, remembering, remembering. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus says, remember me, because once we truly remember Jesus, we remember how he loved the Old Testament, how he quoted it, Mm -hmm. how he understood its history. So to do this, we've got to remember the story of the Bible is our story, our origin, our redemption, our guide to life, so that when we become history, our memory will have served us well and others will remember. And that's the Christian expectation. And this podcast is history. This is history, yes. <laughs> Well, thanks, Jim. That's a lot to think about. And if you have questions or comments on it, we'd love to hear from you. So please send your questions or comments to events and expectations, all one word, at gmail.com, or post your question in the comments section of this particular podcast. We'll use your question or comment where possible, and we'll always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations and the Occasional Rooster. And until next time, keep looking up.